Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And happy New Year! It's it's twenty twenty three. We're we're coming back at it with uh, with new content, new new episodes, and lots of UCLA stuff to talk about in twenty twenty three. Yep, a uh, happy New Year to all that that are out there. And uh, is it bad to say that uh, you know, hey, twenty twenty two is done, and it's a new twenty twenty three now for UCLA sports? No. Uh, especially for the football season. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad, uh, bad thing to say that at all. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Uh, UCLA's football season is, is finally over, uh, with, uh, I'll call it a lackluster bowl game performance, if I'm being, being nice. That's really nice. That's really, really nice. Um. So, so yeah, you look. I'm over it. I'm over it. Sure, sure. Uh, aren't aren't we all? UCLA loses to Pitt, thirty-seven, thirty-five in the Sun Bowl, in a game where they had over a ninety percent win probability at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and ninety-seven point seven percent. Yeah, I knew it was some kind of absurd number like that. I forgot what the exact number was, um, and ends up losing the, the most bizarre way and. In the end, UCLA finishes what was once a very promising season by losing three out of its last four. Yeah, I, I know we we had talked about this, um, you and I, Kevin. But trying to hit that ten win mark is a is a big deal, especially for UCLA. We've only done it nine times in our entire history, and and that's it's a pretty storied history. If you look at look at kind of the past and so regardless of what we think about chip kelly over the last five years just hitting that 10 game mark would have been a big accomplishment for this program and we just could not get it done and it really was kind of this microcosm of the season i thought you know shoddy special teams bad defense uh weird play calling on offense sometimes and it just it just felt like all of those ugly parts of this team and this program kind of rearing its its head their heads uh in a perfect storm of of a game i mean it was really a tale of two halves if you go back and look at this game it's a tale of two halves in the first half i mean UCLA really should have put the game away um if you if you were, if we were watching that game i mean had had chances on every drive to score and score touchdowns on three out of four drives. The other one was an interception, you know, deep into uh, pit territory at the 13-yard line. Um, throw, throw, with that, in, the first interception for DTR of the day, and that kind of holds the door open a little bit uh, going into half. And then it looked like you know after UCLA got a pick six uh, towards the beginning of the first half that you know what from here on out. Should be able to control the game and it should be fine, um, but that proved definitely not to be the case because the the entirety of the second half from that point on, UCLA's offense went into this weird funk. Um, you know, a lot of lot of you know punting, three and outs, interceptions, uh, just this weird funk that kind of happened all the way until the game tying or the the the, the drive that gave UCLA the lead by one with 30 seconds to go. And then at that point, I think those of us who have watched enough UCLA football this year and over the last several years just know that 30 seconds is an eternity against our defense. You knew it was coming. Right. You knew it was coming. And 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 prevent defense, you know, rushing three when it was clear that the quarterback for Pitt, Nit Patty, I mean, give him credit and he, he battled out there. But anytime he had to make plays against any kind of pressure, he struggled. And, you know, Finish, he averaged, finished with averaging 5.5 yards per, per attempt. Um, so that gives you an idea of how he was struggling to push the ball down the field. And UCLA just goes into a prevent defense and makes it easy for him. And against our secondary, uh, if you get time on the back end, you're going to get open. And that's what we saw happen. And in the end, um, you know, he's a, he's a runner as well. Uh, UCLA doesn't defend the running quarterback, doesn't really account for it. And in the end... Uh, you know, they drive down and get the field goal in a very predictable fashion. Predictable is is exactly the right word here. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the the game 
sucked. It, it really, I think, left a bad taste in my mouth. I think it left a bad taste in a lot of UCLA fans' mouths, especially yeah, after a season where I, I felt like Chip Kelly was getting a little bit of goodwill on his side, and then we go into that game and just completely blow it against a team that was undermanned. Give Pitt credit, they did what they needed to, but they were severely undermanned. They had like eight or nine starters out on both sides of the ball. So you can imagine they're playing a lot of backups. UCLA, on the other hand, yes, we were out Zach Charbonnet, but you know, largely full strength across the board. So there, there was no excuse here. A full strength defense, right? Um, for, which doesn't mean which much. Which doesn't mean not much. much. Not much strength there, but... <laughs> and, you know, uh, DTR, you know, feel, feel for DTR in this game, obviously, you know, made three really crucial mistakes. Um... All of them, I would say, were were either throws that were too hot, questionable. Um, so feel for him. You know, it, he started so well uh, in the in the game, and the entire first half was pretty much flawless, besides the one interception. And the second half, I think we saw some of you know, let's call it bad DTR, right? Uh, that that's, that's some of what we saw in the second half feel for him that he couldn't be out there at the end and break that uh, passing record from Caden McNown because he fell just shy of that um, and just couldn't get back in the game there in the fourth quarter. But once again, I think, like you said, microcosm of the program, we saw what this offense can be kind of with anyone back there and with Chip Kelly calling offense, right? I mean, there's some weird play calls, some weird funks we go into, but even with Ethan, Ethan Garbers out there, who probably didn't take a very meaningful rep at all uh, in, in bowl preparation, given this is going to be DTR's final game and whatnot, <coughs> you know, he's going ahead and driving down the field and helping us get the final you know, tying score um, or the, the leading score. And so that, again, microcosm of, of UCLA football is that the offense eventually figures out a way if the defense can stop anybody. And... There's just so much pressure on the offense to be perfect every drive because you know that the defense has a big play that's, that's coming on in them or that back-breaking scoring drive or that penalty that's just about to come. You just know it's there. And you know, in the end of the season, you, you look at the, the numbers at the end. Our defense this year, we, we started the year saying we wanted to try to get to a top 50-level defense. And... In the end, our statistically, we finished 88th in total defense, which is worse than it was the past two years. So we actually got worse uh, this year, and, and there are many circumstances for that, right? Many circumstances. Bill McGovern has his health issues, and we were doing okay in the beginning of the year, but then he goes out and we shift coordinators to Clancy Pendergast, who's actually an analyst. Okay, there's so many things going on back there. The results are what they are. Um, you know, the 88th ranked defense, and it looks like that on, when you watch it on TV. It looks like it's, uh, you know, again, a, a pretty mediocre defense. Uh, mediocre is, is probably too, um, too nice of a word. It's a bad defense. And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, too. Like, do we keep McGovern or not? It's clear to me at this point, regardless of health issues and whatnot, regardless of the fact that he was out for, you know, a quarter to half of the season, like... We can't keep the guy. It, it just, there's there wasn't enough improvement here. Even with him uh, helming the defense in this game, like he, there was nothing there to show me that he deserves to stay on as DC. And and this is an important juncture for the, the program, I think. Uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Chip Kelly on offense, fantastic. Look, we've put together good offenses the last two seasons. Good to elite. Like, let's not make it mince, mince words here. Like, those offenses have been fantastic. Today, th- th- this year's was, was elite. It was a statistical top 10 offense. For a lot of the year, it was a top 5 offense. Right. And, and so we, 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 we know that side of the ball is going to be taken care of. The defense, again, for all of Chip Kelly's tenure, for really all of UCLA in recent memory football has just been bitten in the ass by not having a solid defense and it, it we can't go forward with McGovern in my opinion any at this point 
I, I just we we gotta we gotta do something about this, uh, and I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there's there's word, you know, you, that there's some money at play now for a defensive coordinator. I think there's uh, some sensitivities around how we can move McGovern around based on his health concerns and having a PR nightmare of firing a guy who is sick. You know, there's all these these considerations, and it sounds like uh, Chip is actually on board with making a move, so this might be an admin block. I don't know at this point. I I don't care what's blocking it. Like, something needs to get done here. Otherwise, we're just going to be in this holding pattern. Look, we'll have a good offense. Great. We're going to lose games that we shouldn't when the offense goes cold. And offenses go cold, like... The best of the best offense goes cold once in a while, and you need to have strength on the other side of the ball to be able to 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 win games. And I'm not even asking for an elite defense here. Like we just want an average defense. So let's here. let's put that in context, right? Because the Chip Kelly Oregon teams, which used to be the standard of of of, of the Pac-12, and were national title level contending teams. Let's take the 2010 team that did go to the national title game. Total offense was number one in the country. Total defense was, again, not an elite defense. It was 34th in the country. So that's the levels that we're talking about to get to the point that, you know, Chip potentially even had had an Oregon. And, and if that's what we had this year, let's say we had a top 50 defense, that's exactly what it would have been, right? We would have probably won 11 or 12 games because that's how close we were uh, to, to, to getting there. 2011 for Oregon which was Chip's final year at Oregon. They went 12-1 and there as well. Uh, didn't make the title game that year, uh, but ended up finishing number two in the country. And that was the 67th ranked defense to the number four offense. So again, this, is, this, this just stresses the point where if we move from the land of just bad to mediocre, like you were talking about from before, that gets us to where we want to get to, which is like competing for the conference championship and hopefully higher honors than that. That's the margins here. It's just, just don't be terrible. Don't be pathetic. And then I think you're, you, you've got something going. Yeah. It's, it's not a whole lot to ask for. It really is not a whole lot to ask for here. Uh, it's been something I think we've been asking for, for a long time, but Especially under Chip now, it's it's not a whole lot to ask for. And we've seen the lack of defense hurt us time and time again. And uh, hopefully this has been a wake-up call at this point. We can actually do something about it. Um, I, I do want to talk about DTR before moving on from this bowl game and, and into kind of where this program stands at this point. But I, I will say... You know, you can, we can talk about DTR's ups and downs throughout this, the, his time here at UCLA. Uh, I, I think this game was kind of a, a DTR in a nutshell. You have the spectacular plays, that deep shot to Titus, some of the running ability. Uh, you he you can clearly see the talent and the elite level of talent that he possesses. But then you see some of the boneheadedness, right? Now, I'm not even going to put, in my opinion, like two out of three of those interceptions were not necessarily his fault. But that third interception where he just completely lost the, the linebacker, completely on him. And and you see this up and down with him, right? And he's definitely grown and as, as a player. This is not the same DTR of, you know, three or four years ago. He's been a fun player to watch this year. He's been a, a very good QB to watch. Um, but uh, it was just sad, man, to see him not be able to finish this game, regardless of what you think about him. Uh, one thing you cannot doubt, and, and if you are a UCLA fan who doubts this, just fucking leave the fan base. But you cannot doubt this kid's heart. Like, he gets battered time and time again and has really, you know shown up and played through a lot of injuries and a lot of, you know, bad 
bad, bad injuries. It like, feels like he gets beat up every game. <coughs> he, he always gets up. He always competes. He never, he never backs down. You, you gotta, you gotta commend him for that. And it was, it was sad to see him not be able to finish this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll just take this a step above. Did DTR have some mistakes? Yes, but I, I'll even say, say this. He, this year, was at the upper end of quarterbacks in college football. And, and even, even last year, I would say, was probably in the top 25th percentile of quarterbacks uh, in college football as well. Um, UCLA did not lose games because of DTR. Uh, now, was DTR an elite Heisman Trophy candidate? Sure, he wasn't that. Was he like a, a top echelon quarterback, good enough to propel a team by himself to top 10 levels and whatnot? I mean, very few are that. Uh, and they're in the levels of, you know, again, the Caleb Williams and, 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 and those kind of players. But DTR was more than a good enough quarterback for UCLA to win a lot of games with. And I thought a lot of his career, um, the early part of his career, I, I always felt for him because I felt that, and Chip later admits this too, he admitted it in some interviews this year, that the early part of his tenure, they were trying a bunch of things that ended up, like later on he just admitted that they didn't work. It was a lot of trial and error. And unfortunately, DTR had to be a part of that. Um we all that the the four tight end formations and all the the weird plays out of tight sets and then make trying to make DTR into Peyton Manning uh, and and running seven step drops reading the safety and throwing them open um, the first two years I thought again way to not take advantage of a skill set and then the last two years we've really seen what he can become as the offense has evolved out of all those weird things into what it is today. And today it's much closer to a hybrid between, you know, it is a pro-style offense, but one that gives, takes advantage of a mobile quarterback, um, takes advantage of his skill sets, and gives him some impro- improbability, which is why I think these past two years has, has brought out the best in him. And I feel for him that he couldn't break that record. I feel for him that you know he we couldn't beat SC this year. I thought that'd be really great for him to do. Um, but in the end, I thought you know DTR represented the school really well. Uh, he, he he ended up having I thought a good senior season for what the team was because let's remember like this was a team that really relied upon three or four players, really 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 good players, rather than being a collective you know group that was good from top to bottom. ZTR, Zach Charbonnet, um, Jake Bobo, and then on defense, Liatu Latu. And we saw in this game when, you know, Zach Charbonnet goes out, you know, TJ Harden had a had a long run in there and that kind of skews the stats, but you know, the, the running game kind of struggled, the, the the pressure all goes back to the quarterback. Um and 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 that really I think is the story of, of, of UCLA this year, more than DTR maybe not getting us over the hump and and if you know, we're about to talk about a quarterback that we just got and you know how excited we are. And if he lives up to what DTR did this year and, and the last year, I think that by itself is as much as you can ask for from a you know a five-star quarterback coming in. Yeah, look, DTR holds almost every single UCLA record for a QB outlets. You can say what you want, fifth year, consequence of having a fifth year, what have you, but he put his heart out. Uh, I I hope nothing but the best for him in the future. You know, I want to see the kid succeed. I I hope he can, you know, find his way playing football, and if not, you know, he'll have a bright future. He seems like a bright kid. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll remember him for, for being a warrior on the field at the end of the day, regardless of the wins and losses and whatnot. And a lot of that is, was, I think out of his control, whether it's, you know, the talent level he's playing with or how the coaching staff, you know, put him in positions to where it was difficult to succeed, uh, frankly. So he did what he could with the best, uh, the, uh, best of his uh, abilities, and and I think you know it was, it was a, an honor to watch him grow up, uh, from his freshman year till where he is now, and so, 
yeah, he's he's always going to be a, a Bruin, and and hopefully he uh, succeeds in uh, in all of his future endeavors. Uh, with that being said, now we're we're kind of in a new era. Is it too early to call it the Dante Moore era? Don't see why why it wouldn't be. Well, I mean, there there's there's some competition there, but we're we're a program right now, kind of in flux, right? New quarterback, potentially new defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, there there's a NIL program that seems to be actually functioning now. Uh, where how do you feel about where we're at right now with the football team? Well, we'll start with Dante Moore, who is a big get, right? Um, I mean, we've talked about this before. I, I followed Dante Moore for a long time because because I'm a Michigan fan, and so I've, he, he was Michigan's target since he was in eighth grade, and he, it was a very national recruitment. Um, in the I mean, so many things that happened with that, and in the end, he comes to UCLA, which is which is pretty crazy. Um, he's the highest rated quarterback recruit we've ever had, um, so he's high rated higher in terms of his overall, you know, rating. Not where he's ranked, but his rating, um, and then Josh Rosen was or Brett Hundley were was um, when they came <coughs> to UCLA. So from that standpoint, it's I mean it's it's very significant. It gives us hope that there is you know adequate talent that's there to replace DTR when he left because that was the big concern, right? I mean, I think we saw what what Garbers kind of has to offer, um, and I'm sure he would have been serviceable, but but we needed better if we wanted to continue to be operate our offense at the elite level. And Dante Moore represents, again, somebody who can come in and compete. Quarterback recruiting overall, I thought this this, this go-around was, was fantastic because Colin Schley comes in, who is also a, a, a big transfer get, and that adds competition uh, for Dante Moore right away. He comes in knowing that Dante Moore is there and that he would have to compete with him. Um, so, you know, the quarterback position, that, that room has been stocked up. This, this class overall, you know, still in terms of numbers, not very much. Uh, I think it's 13. We also had Luke Duncan coming in, too, for as a QB. Luke Duncan coming in. So he represents some more of the kind of, you know, project-type uh, quarterback that we've been recruiting. Because um, thus far under Chip, we've missed on a lot of quarterback recruits. And, and this time around, it looks like we got our, our two really good targets, and then we got a, a project behind them, too. So that's fantastic. The rest of the recruiting class, I mean, on, again, on offense, you see kind of where this is going, even if the rankings don't match up, right? You have receivers that are in the 6'2", 6'3", range. You have some transfer running backs that are that are big, um, you know, physical running backs that we're trying to replace there. Uh, you know, transfer tight end that's 6'6", that can probably also go up and uh, and, and, and get, get, get the ball. So you can see what we're trying to do on offense. Once again, it just comes back to the same thing, the defense. Um, line play in the defense. Uh, you know, are are we getting the the right amount of talent there, um, and are we developing that talent? Because on offense, it looks like whatever we get, we develop it to a point where the the product is good on the field. But on defense, you know, you look at just just looking at at the at the tape against Pitt and what we did most of the year. Um, yeah, the schematically we're pretty vanilla in what we do, but. The talent is just doesn't seem up to par if you want to compete for the top honors in the conference and and in the national picture, uh, and the kind of players that we're going after on defense, like even the transfers we brought brought in so far, um, again transfers from Cal from Penn. I mean, I, those are all fine depth guys. That's fine, but even the depth guys. I mean, are are do we have the infrastructure to take that level of player and develop them into what we need right now? I don't know. And that's where the hire of the defensive coordinator really becomes, I think, the most important thing. Um, reports are out there now that Chip Kelly realizes we need a, a, a proper defensive coordinator that can take his attention off the defense side of the ball and that can be essentially an associate head coach. We'll see um, if that all kind of comes to fruition. Obviously, there's a situation with Bill McGovern, uh, and and what's the art of the possible there, given the you know the health situation and whatnot, and obviously that's very sensitive. So we'll let that play itself out. Um, you know, but is Chip Kelly you know as serious as he is? The reports say yeah, and he really wants to make this happen. You know, we we hope it does happen because again, that's 
that's the margins right now. If we if we do actually take recruiting seriously, as is, again as as is reported, and the recruitment of Dante Moore is a good step in that direction, but it's one player, and we got to see this now happen over several over a couple classes, or at least one class, uh, to really like get some momentum going there in the high school ranks. Um, and then can we actually get a proper defensive coordinator that can take the entire you know defensive staff from top to bottom, remake it, remake the scheme, remake the whole player development, all of that? Um, because that's probably what's needed. And if we do that, I think we got a shot under Chip Kelly because, again, we, we have to give him credit on, on two counts. One is that he's figured out the offense and he's found a quarterback that at least on paper looks to have the talent to take us and keep us at, at the elite level on that side of the ball. I think you're spot on that that DC decision is going to be kind of the make or break of the Chip Kelly tenure. If we're going to get past these eight or nine one seasons and actually compete for a Pac-12 next season and try to be competitive in the Big Ten in the season after we're going to need to get a defensive coordinator that is worth its salt. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be kind of mired in this mediocrity. And, you know, some some fans, some alumni might be okay with this. I think the majority of them will not be okay with that. Uh, especially when we know what UCLA is potentially capable of. So it, it really kind of depends on what route we go there. Is Chip going to, one, get rid of McGovern? Uh, from a, a DC capacity. And if so, who's he going to hire? Is he going to actually hire an exciting big name or even up and coming, you know, DC? Or is he going to go back to his old bag of tricks and pick up somebody that he's known forever, you know, as kind of a stale schematic guy who's been around for decades and really isn't up to, to speed with kind of modern college football? I think there's a, it's we're we're kind of in a wait and see mode here right now, but um, let's see because once you have that DC in place, I think then the recruiting hopefully kind of falls into place a little bit more when we know what we're actually doing on def- defense. Because right now, schematically, we can do whatever we want, but the, the talent level is just not there. I mean, like you said, aside from lot two, there's nobody on that defense right now that I can see probably that play, plays on Sundays in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, especially the DBs, man. Like, I, I I don't know if I can take another second of watching a UCLA secondary. You know what's funny? The, the DBs just on measurables, at least at, at, they're, they're, I'd say one of the few positions that actually looks all right. But they just, I, they just don't play the ball very well. They, they get penalized. They get beat. Um and, and and it happens pretty consistently. You look at a lot of our linebackers, right? Um, I mean, it just the foot speed isn't there to to go sideline to sideline um, and 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 run with people. And then on the defensive line, we have some guys that might be big, but they get pushed around far too easily and 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 aren't necessarily quick. With the exception of say, you know, someone like Latu. Sometimes the Murphy twins they 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 show some 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 good burst and stuff off the edge. Toy has shown some flashes as well. Right, but overall, just like again, top to bottom, um, either the athletic profile there isn't good enough, or they're just not being developed uh, well enough to for us to compete even at at a at a mediocre level on defense. So, a lot of major changes there needed. Look, Chip, Chip Kelly, again, he has a chance because whatever we want to think about this season and whatever we want to say about the last several years, he's coming back. And he's probably at least coming back for the next two years. Um, given that next year we're going to break, break out you know, a new quarterback and, and it's going to be a younger team and, and all the, the, the normal you know, reasons that, that coaches will get. He's going to be here for two years, and so he has a chance now to really revamp this in whatever image he thinks makes sense and get this to the level of success that, I mean, we know he's capable of and that UCLA fans hopefully deserve. So we'll, 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 we'll see. It's on him. Um, you know, sometimes with this t- timing is everything. 
had he done this or he had these visions say three years ago it would have been done by now but now we have a defensive coordinator who has some health issues and there's other stuff going on and we have uh, perhaps an athletic department that doesn't want to you know mess with the 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 actual chancellor's office too much because they don't want to mess with the regents and all this other so, so a lot of other stuff is going on that we that are not in our control and we'll have to see how it all shakes out um but again chip will have his chance and and chip chip has his chance and i'll just say this like this doesn't work out it's it's going to be solely on him to to some degree like he <coughs> it, it has dug his own grave this deep thus far and now there's like you mentioned other factors at play that might disallow him from digging out of it and five years in I, I you can't blame anybody else but yourself even if there's now other things holding you back he had a real opportunity before this to remedy these things and he just hasn't i mean you look at uh tcu sunny dyke's first year here or there He's playing in a national championship, so I, I just, I, I don't believe the whole, hey, I need two, three, four, five, six years to rebuild this, especially at a place like UCLA. Especially today with the advent of the, tra- the transfer portal and such. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to wait for, for six years or five years or even three years for someone to turn this stuff around. Even before, honestly, I mean, I, I was never too into all that. Like, usually a, a, if you're... Got, if you got things going in the right direction by like year two, you've started to show signs and you're starting to win. Um, so, you know, we're on year five right now. So Chip has had his chance and he's going to have more chances. He's going to get two more years at least. <coughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at with this program. I think there's some reason to be optimistic and there's some uh, signs of hope here, but we're kind of in a wait and see mode and and we're a program in flux at a pretty important juncture uh, for Chip Kelly to see what he uh, ends up accomplishing here and yeah we'll see I mean nothing nothing more we can do at this point um moving on to more exciting things going on at UCLA uh, basketball season in full swing um you know this it's uh, been a couple of weeks now but you know we have those those big neutral slash road wins on the east coast against maryland where we shellacked maryland and had kind of a, a bloodbath victory over over kentucky at madison school garden and now we're really kicking off uh conference play and we started off with a shaky but you know what a road sweep over the Washington schools on the road. Uh, what, what, what did you see from this team? We can st- talk about Wazoo, or we can never think about that game ever again. I will leave that up to you, Kevin. <laughs> well, we can start with the, you know, the, the games over, over the holidays, which, you know, Maryland and Kentucky, which it was clear that the team, the coaches, they wanted to make a statement on the trip, uh, given what had happened in Vegas, and they went out and did it. So credit to them. Um, you know, on that trip and in the game against UC Davis, it was clear that there was a message sent after Vegas that the the identity of our team and teams under McCronin in general it has to start on defense. And credit to to McCronin and the, to the players, they took that to heart, and the defense ramped up to another level. Um, so right now, statistically, this is the best defense that Mick has had in the regular season. Um, at here at UCLA. I think during the Final Four run, I don't know if there were stats on that, but it just felt like that run in particular, our defense was a, a, a totally different level that I still don't think we've reached. But, but right now, statistically, that, that, that's where we stand. The best defense in, in McCronin's tenure thus far. Um, conference play starts, and I think Washington State was kind of this perfect storm where, you know, a couple of potential flaws uh, in this team kind of reared their head um, and and I'd say like the the, the two the, the two things I'd, I'd be worried about with this team or this and, and it's it's really just these two because there's a lot to be excited about this team and, and I don't want I don't want that to get lost 
One is our defense is very good. I would say that sometimes this is more of a gambling, you know, create turnovers, take chances type of a defense than it can be potentially one that is fundamental, stay in front of your man, um, more akin to what the Ben Howland defenses were uh, when, when he was winning really big at UCLA. Um, and, and sometimes because we do that, we can take a few chances and leave some shooters open. And I think that's what happened against Washington State. Combined with the fact that, uh, you know, this can, I, I think defensive rebounding is the one weakness that, uh, that I hope we find a solve for, but we may not ever find a really great solve for, just given the personnel that we have on this team. Um, and I think Washington State, that's kind of what happened. You know, we had an off shooting night, but again, that's going to happen. You are going to have games that you don't shoot well. That's why defense has to be the identity of the team. Um, but again, like you said, just one game, and I thought the effort against Washington uh, was much better, albeit against, a, you know, Washington just looked completely useless out there. Um, just jacking up threes. They shot a real bad percentage, and, and so you give you give credit to UCLA for, for forcing that bad percentage. Um, but a much better effort there, and I think we're seeing Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez. You know, Jaime, over that holiday trip, he really turned it around from whatever you know, funk he was in before that and really established himself as one of the premier players in the country. And this conference trip, I thought Tiger Campbell, um, he's starting to figure it out as well and, and go back into form and whatever role where he has to score but then assist as well, especially the game against Washington where he had 11 assists. And again, you know, we started to play some bench uh, in, in the game against Washington, at least. You know, Abramo Zanka came along. Dylan Andrews played some minutes. You know, obviously Amari Bailey was out this trip, so Dave Singleton had to had to play at a start, and therefore, you know, Will McClendon and Zanka and Andrews had to play off the bench. And, you know, all, all acquitted themselves pretty well. I thought, you know, Zanka acquitted himself very well uh, in, in his minutes on both ends. And Will McClendon is clearly gained Cronin's trust on defense. So that's signs of, of playing a bench that I hope we continue to do. Even if it means we lose a game here that we're not supposed to. Like I, I hope that we continue to play these guys and get them confidence into March because if you have a formula where your two seniors are are, are, are on fire, you have guys like Jalen Clark, David Singleton behind them, and a bench, that's when you get really dangerous, and that's when I think we start to turn into, you know, national title level uh contenders i'll i'll caveat this weekend this past weekend's games with with one thing uh, i think our defense takes a big leap when amari bailey is on the floor absolutely i know amari bailey has not been you know taking the world by storm with his offense or scoring or anything Amari Bailey, though, has been doing all the little things right and his playing his ass off on defense, which is very rare for a true freshman, five-star kind of phenom player coming up through AAU ranks and playing at Sierra Canyon and whatnot. To see that kid play defense, the way he plays defense, has been uh, short of a miracle, it feels like, these days. But when you have him in the starting lineup... No knock against Dave Singleton. Dave Singleton, in my opinion, is probably the best sixth man in the country right now. He's shooting 50% from three, which is insane. He's also, you know, developed a mid-range game. He plays hard on defense. But Mari Bailey just possesses a defensive instinct and athleticism to really be that second guy with Jalen Clark on the perimeter that can suffocate other teams. And so not having him obviously hurt our defense. <clears throat> Yet after this week, if you look at Ken Palm, we're for adjusted defense, we're still sixth in the country. Like you you look at this defense and the where the way it's playing at such a high level, it's literally the only reason we somehow squeaked that miracle win by Wazoo. Yeah. We couldn't score consistently. But we got the we we shut Washington State down for like the last ten minutes of that game. They could not score a bucket on us, and we just did enough, the little bit of luck to win on the road, in a conference game. And I, I think these types of wins, 
for an elite team happen, and this is what you need. I think taking this on the chin a little early and then being able to somehow even win that game is is a good thing for this team. Yeah. The other thing you meant. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go again. Yeah. Yeah. so the Washington State game again, you know, the first half I thought, you know, the, the Lucy Goose defense I was referring to was mainly I think the first half, the last ten minutes of of the the Wazoo game, um, you know, we at the nine, I think I think it's the nine minute mark, Wazoo had fifty nine, and from that that point on, uh, they scored seven points, and actually only made two baskets. Right. So so from that point on, we put the clamps on. And, and like you said, that's how we're able to come out with the win. And again, that has to be the identity of the team. Like you're going to have games where you miss shots and you do that. The other thing with the Washington State game, I, th- I think back to a few games last year, like Arizona State um, on the road, uh, where it's a similar profile of team to, to Washington State. And we would we lost a couple of those games last year um, of the of the same vein, maybe perhaps because we didn't clamp it down and, and play as resiliently down the stretch as we did in this one. So credit to the team for winning that game this year, which, you know, again, there was a couple of those we lost last year against a very similar kind of team. Um, and and so I think you're always going to have those games. I, I would expect we probably have one to two or maybe three more of those kind of efforts um, between now and the end of conference play. And we got to find ways to win them because, again, you know, Arizona survived their test this weekend uh, against Arizona State, and it looks like the the margin the, the gap between UCLA, Arizona, and everyone else is 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 very big, to put it mildly. Um, so losing a game like Washington State, I think that would have been really devastating. Absolutely, and and Washington State is <coughs> showing a little bit of life here now, right? They they lose that heartbreaker against us, <clears throat> and they go on to beat you know a, a a USC team that was starting to look like it was playing a better ball, like they were improved, they looked decent, and Washington State took them down fairly easily in that game. So credit to Washington State. It seems like they are starting to figure it out a little bit more. Um, Washington, on the other hand, was just bad. And credit for UCLA to waking up out of that funk against Wazoo and coming out against uh, UW with a, a very strong game plan. Again, good defense. And we were able to just uh, beat them. Plain and simple uh, on their home court. And that's what we need to see. We need to see that type of intensity and that type of focus, I think, time and time again. And let's <clears throat> let's not, like, you know, put this lightly. Like, winning on the road in conference is very tough. I don't care if it's the Pac-12 or not. Like, it's not easy to win on the road, let alone get road sweeps. And so, you know, starting off the kind of heart of conference play this way, even though it was frustrating to watch that Wazoo game, getting that sweep, I think, is, is super important. Uh, seeing having USC lose was was nice to see. Um, helps us in the conference race a little bit, and uh, especially since Arizona has that that loss to Utah. And um, yeah, I think we just we just have to build from there. I think the one thing that worries me, I know we you mentioned it a little bit. We talked about this is is the rebounding, right? We need to come up with a better solution for rebounding. Adembona. You know, he, he is playing much improved, actually. If you look at his numbers... Um, He's put together a games. solid, you know, stretch of five, six games here. Outside of the Kentucky game, he's put together some pretty solid numbers for about a few few games in a row here. Right. He's scoring more. He's playing better defense. He's getting blocks. Uh, and, and even more importantly, he's actually staying on the floor. He's staying out of foul trouble. <coughs> he's played... If you look back at the the minutes he played, he played like 29 minutes, uh, 30 minutes in, in either of these last two games. So he's, he's figuring it out. The one thing he still cannot do very well is rebound for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's because he tries to block every ball. So he's out of position. 
He's just, you know, doesn't have the, the instinct to box out. Like, I, I don't understand what it is about it. He just does not come up with rebounds like he should. Um, and it's something that's a little bit concerning. Kenny Nuba obviously is who he is. He'll chip in a few rebounds here and there. But he's not a guy that we can rely on to come in the game and, and get consistent rebounds. So we need to figure out, especially from that big position, like, can we get Bona to rebound better? Can we get Mac back? I think when Mac Etienne is in the game, he's probably our best big man rebounder. He's obviously still not healthy. You've seen kind of him go back and forth with the knee brace now over the last couple of games. Uh, he, he's coming back in, back into game shape, but if you watch him play, he is big, he is strong, and he has a knack for rebounding. He had some big rebounds against Kentucky. He showed a couple of good rebounds uh, against Washington uh, on Sunday. Like He's a guy, I think, that if we can get him back healthy, he could be a part of the the solution to be a, being a better rebounding team, but that is something we need to watch going going forward, like how we can solve that issue. Yeah, it's a big issue. Um, and, and if there's one weakness on the team that I'm not sure is going to be fully rectified this year, it's that one. Just one starting with the personnel, like you said, uh, you would like your center to get a lot and your forwards to get a lot of the rebounds. A Dembona is still averaging four and a half rebounds a game and, and just something's off there, like you said, the instinct to box out, hands going up for the ball, just just something's off when it comes to rebounding in general and, and him. I, I think also he's, I think he's closer to 6'8 than he is to 6'10. Um, probably like, you know, a, a shorter 6'9 is I think the best way to say it for him. Um, still though, should be able to get more. Uh, Mac Etienne, you wonder how much healthier he can get through, through the rest of this year just given that we're into conference play now um and and, and this, i think this is this is a challenge for mick he is probably our, our best rebounder when he's on the floor can he provide enough else out there for him to justify staying on the floor and then playing himself back into shape because uh, because we definitely need to get a playable you know, five rotation over there. Uh, Adembona's improving on scoring. Can he do this more consistently? We'll have to see. Uh, and can we get a backup center that can come in there and do the dirty work? Again, we'll have to see. Can Nuba is, like you said, kind of kind of what he is there. And can Mac Etienne get more healthy? I think that rotation of three players right there has me more terrified than anything else on this. Because I think, you know, even if we, 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 we have some bench rotation now to some extent we'll have to see how it consistently we play it but we have dave singleton coming off the bench we have will mcclendon who's getting some minutes hopefully zonka and dylan andrews get in there but we have some solutions there i don't know if we have a solution here and i think that's probably the most worrying thing and if you look at the washington state game washington state out rebounded us by nine uh in the game and yeah, Muhammad Gay was having a, a field day on rebounding. And just the way that we play, right, if we break even on the glass against anybody, it's really hard for us to lose um, because we don't turn the ball over. We get turnovers. And if we're not giving teams second chances, the number of possessions just heavily skew in our favor, in UCLA's favor. And it's gonna it, it's, it's the formula we used in the Final Four run. It's the formula we used in some games last year. But then it's also kind of what got us beat against Carolina. You know, couldn't get the rebounds down the stretch. And so the slow pace game that doesn't turn the ball over yet doesn't have enough, a lot of possessions ends up going against you because the other team is creating more possessions and scoring off of them. Um, so that's probably the one thing we, like, we, we really got to work on again, getting a playable center rotation, and then the guards just got a rebound. You know you got, to, got it in them because the, game, the games against Kentucky and Maryland uh, – we held even, um, we were either within one or ahead by one uh, on, on the boards in both of those games. So we know we got it in the in us if we really want to go after it, but it's going to take a whole bunch of effort for our guards to go and rebound, um, which maybe in one game is, is okay, but to have that be a consistent solution that you can depend on, uh, that that's a bit harder. So we'll have to see. Like you said, you got to come up with something there. If you look at the the roster stats right like Jalen Clark is our leading <coughs> rebounder at 6.9 rebounds per game 
and Hawkes is second at 6.3. Our wings probably shouldn't be our leading rebounders. Well, and like, Jalen Clark is probably and, the and, best at his position in the country at, at, at doing what he's doing for, for on that. And end. that's that's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. He is a, and I was just about to say that, he's a very good rebounder for his position. But he still shouldn't be leading the team from that position as the leading rebounder on the team. Like, we need the bigs to step up. For context, you look at Bona, you mentioned four and a half. Uh, Nuba is at 2.1 rebounds a game and plays about 13, a little over 13 minutes. NTN actually plays a little over six and a half minutes so far on average and also has 2.1 rebounds a game. I, I think you, you see the, the trend here. Like, I, to me, Etienne really is that guy that needs to be brought up to speed health-wise to, to help out here. I, I just, I think he is the more serviceable guy between him and Nuba. I think he's shown some offense and some touch around the rim in the last couple of games. And again, very limited minutes, but you can see the flashes there. And he's just a stronger... <clears throat> more mature guy than and just has better instincts on on rebounding than Nuba does and so if we can get him up to speed get that knee feeling a little better like I I to me he feels like the clear solution here or at least part of the solution here to improve rebounding I'm not saying he's gonna be a perfect solution I'm not saying we're gonna you know start out rebounding every team that we play if we insert him but I do think that he will be uh, a guy who will contribute in that, <clears throat> excuse me, in that uh, part of the game and will, will really help us in that, that space. Um, but we'll see. I, it, again, it, it's clear to me that he's not fully healthy yet. Um, so we'll just have to kind of hope that uh, his, his recovery keeps, uh, keeps going. Yeah, and we'll be tested on rebounding this coming week. So we got, it's rivalry week in basketball. We got SC coming to Poly. Uh, we do. Probably a bit more of a tricky, and they lost this past weekend, which is, again, like you said, good for us in the conference picture and such. Probably a bit more of a tricky game than we anticipated this being when the season started and SC just just started by shitting the bed um, against Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, like I said, they've they've been playing much better as of late. I know they lost to Wazoo, but it's they they look a lot better than than like you said losing to Florida Gulf Coast. I'm interested to see kind of how we match up against a guy like Josh Morgan. I think you would think that Bona should be able to hopefully kind of flex his athleticism there. Josh Morgan's not unathletic, but he's not you know, the, the freak athlete that Bona is. And I, I'm curious to see how we do against a guy like, like that. Um, but, yeah, if this is going to be an interesting game. I mean, we, we have some old foes coming back, like Drew Peterson, Boogie Ellis, but they, they, they're they uh, a pretty retooled team, again, uh, from, compared to the last couple of years. They don't have any of the... Uh, the um, the twins whose name or brothers whose names are uh, the escaping me right now. The Mobleys. Thank you. I don't know why I was uh, forgetting that. Is their dad still their coach there? I think so. Or did he bounce also? I don't know. I don't think he bounced just after they bounced yet. I'm sure he will soon. Yeah. But I mean, this is a team that's going to be predicated on like their guard play. Like Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson are going to be the two guys that are either going to hero ball them themselves into a game or shoot themselves out of it. Which is why I wonder this if Amari kinda... Bailey is going to be back for this week. Because if he's back, I think that helps a lot. Because I, I, I totally agree with you. When he's there, our defense is on, on another level. Because it's one thing to have Jalen Clark, one perimeter defender. But when you have two of them, with Jalen and Amari, who can shut shop down over there, that's when I think our, our defense really starts to, to, to pick up some steam. And in this game, you know, with Peterson and Ellis uh, out there, really as the heads of the snake, um, having Amari Bailey back, I think would be would be super helpful there. 
because the, the the only path I think to an upset here for for if if UCLA you know is one if UCLA again is, is a bit unfocused but if they're they're not able to to guard one of those two for any any one reason because we we remember the game last year at at the garbage center I mean sorry the Galen Center uh, where <laughs> where Drew Peterson went off for you know I think was it like twenty points or something like that. Um, he couldn't miss right so that's like that's the path for SC to win the game and as well as then to you know win the rebounding margin by by a big number to give more possessions um, so if if, you, if UCLA can come out and defend it, it, it's, it's a really simple formula I think for for most of conference play here come out and defend um, to your normal levels like just defend really well and don't turn the ball over and you're probably going to win the game um, so, you know, got to, got to see, got to take care of business. It's rivalry week. We've struggled against SC and mixed tenure for, you know, whatever, even whatever the circumstances the games might've been. Um, so yeah, got to, got to win this one, get to five and zero. Yeah. I mean, I will, so we, we got kind of the SC monkey out for back last season at least. So if there's not that pressure and that factor kind of going into this game, right? Like the, we need to beat them. We've never beaten them. We, we at least got that out of the way last season. Uh, so hopefully that's not playing a factor. But, you know, rivalry games get weird sometimes. And this is a team that has gone through it several times at this point. Or at least a lot of these guys have. So we, we hopefully don't let that emotion and that uh, those factors get in the way. But, yeah, we just need to come out ready for this this game not overlook it despite you know whatever or however sc has been playing uh and and take care of business here and um beat beat some trojan ass yeah this is a game that you know when we win it's it's hopefully just going to be taken for granted but we don't we definitely don't want to be on the losing end of this one so looking forward to the game this week especially at home especially at home so looking forward to the game this weekend on the other hand, Arizona, they go to the Washington schools, um, and I think we probably are expecting them to get two, two wins there. So uh, important to, to keep pace the, the, this, this week and then take care of our home floor next week going into the Arizona trip. You all not only keep pace, but stay ahead of, of them, right? Yep. They, they have that, that Utah loss on their record, so... Uh, we just need to, to keep taking care of business and to stay focused. I and mean, that's the big key is let's not overlook any team and let's just keep keep these guys locked in. I think Mick, uh, Mick is good at doing that generally, but you know every every team has their lapses. These these are college kids at the end of the day, and we gotta he he's got to figure out a way to keep them keep them engaged on that front, but. Yeah, I mean, let's just uh, let's just get past SC on Thursday and go from there. I I am looking um, forward to the game. Yeah, same. I will I will be there. So hoping for a a, a victory here. Uh, first one of well, I guess second one of twenty twenty three. Now going into the uh, the kind of first full week of this year. Um, you know. Speaking of SC, I, I will just mention this very quickly. Um, huge, huge Green Waves fan now. Love Tulane. Uh, that was a, <laughs> a meltdown for the ages. Loved seeing that. So thank you, Tulane. Um, Lincoln Riley has always green. had this obsession with Alex Grinch. I've never understood it. I don't know why. Um, but I hope it continues. I, I hope that, that he promotes him to even like a bigger position. Uh, because, yeah, once Tulane got the ball back on that safety, you just felt that they were going to for sure win the game from there, and that's exactly what happened. It's it's interesting. It's it's almost parallel in many ways to kind of the Chip Kelly situation uh, where it's clear that Lincoln Riley can put together a fantastic offense, but he just, for whatever reason, cannot pull his head out of his ass to fix defense. And he just sticks with his guys, and that his guy just ends up being Alex Grinch for whatever reason. And 
I feel like Grinch lets him down time and time again, and yet he's still there. Uh, and so it, it feels oddly <coughs> familiar in a way. And yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too upset that it's happening across town either. <coughs> but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, the Oklahoma defense is under Alex Grinch. I mean, the, the, those could those got all the way down into the hundreds, and USC's defense this year, um, yeah, it, it wasn't good. Finished 106, so worse than ours, uh, at least statistically, in total defense. And yet, you know, again, they, they finished with a better record because they got some more turnovers. Um, on offense, they finished one spot above us. They're third to our fourth. Um, and this is kind of just how Lincoln Riley has made his way. So, you know, again, uh, Alex Grinch, Hope, hope it continues. Go Green Wave. <coughs> Hell yeah, that was a cotton bowl for the ages. Um, cool. I think uh, that's everything. I know this is a, a lengthy, lengthy episode to start off the, the new year, but we're happy to be back in the saddle and um, hoping everyone had good holiday season and uh, looking forward to a, a great 2023 that uh, includes a couple of UCLA championships. Yep, I'm looking forward to the Final Four in Houston and then the college football playoff, uh, I think, at the Rose Bowl next year. Yeah. <coughs> yeah I'm not going to get too excited for that, but maybe a Final <laughs> Four. Cool. Well, we will, with that, we will go ahead and sign off, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.